Greetings. You are now listening to The Practitioner's Corner, an informative and inspirational podcast dedicated to health, safety, and social justice. Please welcome our host, Dr. Johnny Rice II. Greetings. I'd like to welcome you to this episode of The Practitioner's Corner. I'm excited to have our guest, Mr. Daryl Green. How are you doing this morning, Mr. Green? I'm wonderful, fantastic. Thank you for allowing me to uh, be a part of the, the show this morning. As you know, the focus of the Practitioner's Corner is really to provide insight, information, and empowering resources and guidance to our listening audience. And so while we are targeted towards people who are in the business of helping people, we also welcome all viewers from different walks of life who feel that they can get something informative and insightful from our discussion. And I do want to state that in all transparency, I've had the pleasure of knowing uh, Mr. Green, who I will call Daryl, for over 25 years. We work together in a variety of capacities as it relates to human services. One of the most memorable opportunities I've had to work with Daryl is in partnership and collaboration with conference planning. We were able to put together, under Daryl's leadership, a conference geared towards low-income fathers and families. We were able to provide employers to come on site to connect fathers and dads with jobs. We were able to conduct health screenings on site. So for those fathers that had not seen a primary care provider or did not have one, they could get their health evaluated. And also, most importantly, parenting support and guidance, having experts in the Baltimore area and beyond being able to come and share with dad how to become a better father. So yes. what I want to do since starting out our discussion, Daryl, is if you could just give some first, before we get into even your professional experiences, if you could just give the audience some insight regarding who you are, where you are from, and a little insight in terms of your upbringing. Johnny, I, I, um, as you know, I'm born and raised here in Baltimore, Maryland. I love Baltimore. Went away for school, came back uh, to live in Baltimore. But I, I grew up in the, um, well, actually, we were nomads in, in Baltimore, man. So we lived all over the city at one point or a time or another. But um, the later years grew up in um, the Forest Park area, Park Heights, Falls Park area of the city, going to uh, Catholic schools and graduated from Cardinal Gibbons High School here in Baltimore, but mainly in um, in the city of Baltimore, man. And so I've always um, attempted to have my um, finger on the pulse of all the, the things that's happening within Baltimore City and the plights and and where you need to really be to stand in the gap from a very young age. My mom was a foster parent, and so I've got a lot of um, sisters, a lot of brothers who, I mean, that are all, all over the country right now, but I was taught the meaning of service early on. So that, that was my upbringing, Johnny, just really in, in the streets, of, in the, some would say the mean streets of Baltimore, but this is Charm City, man, a city that I love. And, and so that was my upbringing here in Baltimore. I appreciate you sharing that, Daryl. I remember there was a Baltimore Sun article that I read maybe two or three years ago, and it was a young man who was talking about his experience growing up in inner city Baltimore, and he said that, I love my city, 
but he said at times it can feel like you're walking in quicksand. Right. Uh, and right. so I think with both of us and kind of growing up Baltimore, we've seen the beauty of the city, but we, mm-hmm. we've also seen the challenges that the city continues to have. And speaking of challenges, I think it's a perfect opportunity to segue just into some of your professional background, the type of work you have been involved in over the years, and how, if you can tell the audience, how that work has served to address some of those challenges in the city faces. Well, again, we, um, you know, growing up here, going to school in Carolina and, and then coming back home and attending Coppin State and Morgan State and both their master's programs, you know, again, man, having our finger on the pulse of what's happening, but my background, uh, I ran a national acclaimed mentoring program, Project Raise, working with inner city youth, trying to remove those barriers from them becoming successful adults. And so we started working with um, young kids from Lafayette Projects in a mentoring program and following them all the way through from the third grade all the way to the 12th grade and pay for their college education or trade school if that's what they decide to do. And then um, moving from there, running um, a fatherhood program for the Annie Casey Foundation. Casey Family Services was a direct service um, arm of the Annie Casey Foundation, working with inner city fathers, again, trying to help remove the barriers and helping them become better fathers, better providers, deal with some of that pain, some of that hurt that they were dealing with that was unaddressed. And so just helping them to bring fathers out of the cold and having them to have a seat at the table. And so we did that, man, for about 13 and a half years here in Baltimore. And then from there, uh, running um, a 60-man bed facility for men who were struggling with um, substance abuse, formerly homeless men, and returning citizens. The practitioner stuff, always being in the trenches, working with um, fathers and families, and I think that it's crucial if, if we able to work with the fathers and strengthen them, then it's only going to have a, a positive effect as it relates to their families and their children. And so we've been doing that, man. So we, for over 30 years now, we've been, I've been just in the trenches. And again, along with you, Johnny, we've done a, a lot of great work here in the city and across the country. And so that's what we're doing um, as a practitioner. And so, this is kind of like my life's work, working with uh, inner city folk and helping them to move them from being one position to a better position. So I, mean, I can't really define what that situation looks like because success for everybody is, is a little different. And so we're just trying to stand in the gap to help move them, to move the needle in their lives and the lives of their families. One of the points that you made in terms of building up and coaching up and supporting those fathers who are reaching up for manhood that may be coming up short, when we're able to assist them to become better dads, you know, there's a correlation based on research that the outcomes for children in a variety of areas can be improved. And so I definitely concur in that there is value, not just getting that father who's motivated to be Mm -hmm. connected to his children, but also getting that father who may be on the fringe to get involved and keeping in mind when it's safe and healthy to right. do so. Exactly. The next question that I have is in terms of what brought you into this work. And let me say this, Daryl, you know, I've had the opportunity over the past several years to hear you 
speak to different groups and really give a testimony about your current work with your organization, Deep Forgiveness. But before you talk specifically about your organization and what you all are doing now to help the larger society, what brought you into this work in terms of fatherhood, restorative justice, the helping field? And if you could kind of walk us to your entry up till now. What brought me into the work, again, was to see growing up in a service household, watching my mom and watching my sisters and watching others, that service was a beautiful thing to be able to help grab somebody by the hand and move them, help them along in their journey. I've always been that way. I've always been in the helping arena in one way, shape, or form, whether helping out the elderly lady next door, helping to bring in their, their groceries or cutting their grass or whatever. So from very early age, um, that piece was just woven into my fabric of um, what I need to do, not knowing that it would bring me to the work that we're doing now. But uh, service, man, was just um, a powerful word around our household. So when we look at the restorative justice work, I just knew that our people were hurting and hurt people hurt people. And there's a lot of folks that were in pain around Baltimore City and across the country. And I knew that there were a lot of relationships that needed to be mended. If only we had were able to have those difficult um, but courageous conversations and be able to create a safe space, as you mentioned, to have parties to sit down and talk about what the real issues are and how can we move, how can we reconcile, how can we heal. And so just helping folks in that journey, man. Um, so I'll tell you about the restorative justice piece and how it's bringing me to the work that we're doing now. So Deep Forgiveness, as you mentioned, uh, Johnny, it was a cell program that was born out of a tragedy that happened to my family. See, my younger brother was 6'5", 255. He won a shot putting discus his junior year. 3.5 GPA, every college university wanted him. He was a great kid. He went bowling. He checked his shoes. He used their shoes. A 14-year-old kid went behind the counter, and the altercation broke out. Long story, as my management threw the other kid out, as my brother went back to bowling, as he went to exit the bowling alley, there was another altercation with the same young man who had since gone home to arm himself. And... um he stabbed my brother, and he died four days later, shock trauma, Baltimore. I was in school in Carolina. I came home to kill him. I came home to have his family feel the same pain, the same hurt that we felt. Um, God is so amazing that that didn't happen. And in the spirit of diversity, whatever how power you believe in your, your God, he or she, they rock too. But I just know that for me, God was the reason I was able to get through this. But that didn't happen. He went to jail. He got life in prison. But after he served about 25 years, he put in for a modification of his sentence. <clears throat> and then I went to court and we testified on the behalf of his release, i.e. therein lies deep forgiveness, the, the name of the, the organization. And so after that happened, Johnny, about two weeks later, he was on the steps of my work. But let me kind of go back a second. When the judge suspended life all but 30 years, I asked the judge, could I shake his hand? And the judge said, if not, the man opposes. And I shook his hand. He had a three-piece suit on, shackles around his arms, shackles around his waist, and shackles around his ankles. That's what I call a three-piece suit. When I shook his hand, you know, he was emotional. I was emotional. As a matter of fact, we we're both crying. And I said to him, God has just given you a second chance. 
And I said, you, you've been known for taking life, so let's you and I go say some lies together. Johnny, knowing the whole time that the hand that I shook his hand with was the one he used to kill my brother. But I needed that for me to be able to heal. And so two weeks later, three weeks later, he's on the steps of my work, him, his mom, and his auntie. And uh, we just cried and prayed and cried and prayed. But we were in this, on this beautiful journey of healing and restorative work. And so it started with us just putting in the work with ourselves. And maybe a week later, we had a, it was just him and I, Johnny, in the, in the office. And we had one of those Let's Come to Jesus meetings. <laughs> um, so right. it, was, uh, it was an emotional piece then. So we, the young man who took my brother's life and I, we now work together helping folks to move towards healing, reconciliation, and forgiveness. And so we are attempting to be a beacon of light for others in the restorative justice work. It may not turn out to be where we are, where we're working together, but more and more folks want to, victims and perpetrators want to come together and just have those, that difficult but courageous conversation. What happened? What's going, you know, more and more, but the, the, the way the criminal justice system is set up, it's not geared. They never want the perpetrators or the victims to ever come back, to pass to ever cross again. For 25 years, plus 25 plus years, Johnny, my family and I had been waiting for someone on his side of the family or him or somebody who did this horrible, tragic thing to our family to say they were sorry, show some kind of remorse or something. But this young man actually wrote a letter over 25 years ago that we never got because of they didn't want the victims or the perpetrators path to ever cross. He read that letter in open court. It was a powerful letter. And so with our piece, with Deep Forgiveness, we're trying to help um, other folks across the country and around the world with their journey of restorative justice. And like I said, Johnny, it may not, the full outcome may not be where we are, which is, I think is a utopia piece of true forgiveness, but it may be able to help you to heal or it may be able to help you to reconcile some of the relationships that you're in. Well, Daryl, I mean, first of all, of course, I thank you for sharing because I know that, and, you know, we all have different experiences on different levels. And each time you revisit things, we're not robots. And I know it, it, mm. it taps into emotion and oftentimes it can bring that experience almost like it's new and back to life. First of all, it's insightful to hear that faith played a key role in moving yes, you towards to extend your hand to this gentleman who had taken your brother's life in such a tragic way. How did others in your circle feel about this, your friends, family members? How did they feel about you moving <laughs> in that direction that you moved in? <laughs> well, that's a great question, Johnny. Not all felt like felt the way I felt, but the, the number one piece is that I got the, my blessings from my my parents. I, I told them what I wanted to do, and that I wanted to change this piece from being a tragedy to something that could be able to help folks all around the world. And so that's really all that mattered to me was that I got my parents' blessings. Other family members and other friends they were definitely against it, and in some cases they still are against it today. Some folks think I'm crazy <laughs> to uh, even think that. And it's interesting, man, because 
I mentioned earlier that hurt people hurt people, and we have a lot of hurt people. We Right now, under the sound of our voice, we, we have brothers and sisters not speaking to each other, husbands and wives, fathers and sons, mothers and daughters, over something really, really small, something, and we say don't sweat the small stuff, but we do all the time. You know, more and more folks in my family are now seeing the positive effects of how it's helping to heal folks all across the world because um, we, we just got back from Ghana, West Africa, about a month ago, taking a message of healing, reconciliation, and deep forgiveness there, and seeing the the positive effects, there now more and more folks are starting to see this the importance of the work. And so, it's a tough journey, man. But forgiveness is a, it's a process. But if we can just get folks to begin to talk and to begin to move towards healing, and sometimes Johnny, some folks have done some things to themselves that they haven't forgiven themselves for, and it's been twenty, thirty years. So just to be able to get folks moving in that direction, but uh, more and more folks who didn't really understand the the macro picture, they just looked at the micro. They look at that small little piece. But uh, thanks to Axon, and, and you're right, every time we do this work, and I tell you, sometimes even when a young man and I are together, I may look over at him as he's, as he's sitting in my passenger seat of the car, and, you know, I'll get some wild thoughts. I'll get... <laughs> I'll start feeling some kind of way. Every day is not a good day. Let me just say that, Johnny, when we're doing this work. Yeah, I think uh, your authenticity and transparency, it really speaks to the reality that Mm -hmm. um, healing and forgiveness is not an easy thing. And so, you know, I applaud you for having these facilitated, structured discussions where there can be mediation, there can Mm -hmm. be healing, and there can be some exhaling from the experience that one uh, may have went through. Now, to move in the direction to start deep forgive, because, you know, you could have went through this experience and continue to not start an organization, you know, because you and I, we continue to speak and do things just because of different jobs that we've had, organizations we're affiliated with. But for a practitioner out there who feels something on their heart to step out and to do something in the restorative justice field to start their own effort or initiative or organization, what recommendations would you give to them? (laughs) You know, Johnny, sometimes, even for me, I just knew there was something else that I needed to do, and it was just eating away at me. And as I spoke to folks in the fatherhood arena and other arenas across the country, and I would tell the story because this young man, father was not as active in his life as he probably could have have been. And there was some pain there between him and his dad. I would always tell the story when talking and I, and I always wanted to say now to the audience. Now the next voice you hear is a young man who actually um, took my brother's life. And so, and how awesome would that be? Cause I think that we can do more work together than we can apart. I just think that, but I was just something kept burning inside of me that I need to do, I needed to explore. And I just stepped out, as we talked earlier, I just stepped out on faith because you can work for somebody else and helping them to accomplish their dreams and, and their numbers and, and all those other things. But when you see that there's a need, which I saw that there were hurt people all over the place, even in the fatherhood arena that, that we worked in for so long, even when you talked about the domestic violence and partnering with places like the House of Ruth, there was a lot of hurt there. But being able to create a space 
designer space that there was going to be some healing done. That was a piece that was pushing me and pushing me. And so I didn't have this huge plan. I just knew I had something else. God had something else for me to do. I would say to practitioners that if you got that kind of a burning peace in you, a passion to do something, to be able to change the world, I'm going to say just like, like Nike, just do it. Just step out there. I didn't have the huge business plan and, you know, forecast five years out or 10 years out or 15 years out. Hell, I'm coming up on a three-year mark that I've been working and working for myself and doing deep forgiveness. I would just say, do your research. Look at what's happening across the country. Look at some of the trends. Look at some of the things that folks are already doing. Try to partner with those agencies if you can. <laughs> I don't have a secret formula, uh, Johnny. I'm just saying just do it. Yeah. And every day I get to live out my passion. Every day I get to live out being a business owner, president, CEO of 501c3 organization and help folks heal all across the world. And I will tell you, it has not been an easy process, but every day that I'm able to help folk along their journey, it's a win for me. And so I'm still winning, man. We still winning, Johnny. So I'm just, uh, to the practice that is listening out of my voice, man, just do it. Just yeah. do it. What was that? Yeah. No, I think that's uh, some excellent encouragement and motivation. You know, even in the process of building, you know, be it a building or organization or uh, moving towards one's dream, it can take a lot out of them. And also, you know, in the work with fathers or with children or with uh, mm-hmm. social justice efforts in the community, it causes helpers to find that balance mm-hmm. between giving all that they can give but also uh, making sure that the lines don't become blurred and they lose their own personal life and joy. And so Mm -hmm. when I talk to practitioners, I often ask them, what do they do for fun and relaxation? Because health and wellness is important. You know, it's like a battery when you go out into the community and you drain that battery out so that you can power up someone else's battery. What do you do for fun and relaxation to, to kind of power back up and refuel your battery. Well, Johnny, as you know, man, um, this work, it's not like you drive a tractor trailer or you work, work in an excavator and it's a nine to five. And when you get off that excavator at five o'clock, you turn that key off and you go back that next day or the following week, you get back in that tractor trailer, you, you begin to drive again. The work that we do, it's a 24 hour day, seven days a week because it's an emotional driven and you're dealing with lives, you're dealing with human services, you're dealing with individual families and situations, whether this child's going to eat tonight. So it puts a lot on you as a practitioner and self-care because I've, I've reached that point of a number of times of feeling like I was burnt out or feeling like that. I can't do this work anymore, but that self-care piece it's crucial that you find an outlet that's going to help recharge your own batteries. I, I like to fish. And so I think I, even if I don't do anything, Johnny, but just to put that rod in that water with a piece of bait on it, and we just sit there for hours, you know, trying to catch fish or just being in a space 
that is tranquil for me. Water is tranquil for me. So just take me to the water and give me a cheer. Let me sit on down. Um, yeah. That is something. And I would say to the practitioners that are listening, find what makes you happy. Find what gives you peace. Even if it's just doing nothing but walking your dog around the block or going to play pool or going swimming. I like to swim too. So that's another thing that I do is swim and fish. And uh, sometimes, man, I just like to get in a quiet place. There's not a whole lot of noise. There's not folks. So the phone's not ringing. Folks aren't actually to do something. And just those little tiny gifts that you give yourself is what keeps you in a fight, keeps you in the game to be able to help others. That's what I do, John. Well, I want to thank you, Daryl, for coming on to the Practitioner's Corner and just sharing some of your story and background and giving us insight about what drives you. And before we formally close out, how can people contact you, learn more about deep forgiveness, and donate to the cause? Right. Well, let me just say thank you, um, Johnny, for for having me on um, today. I greatly appreciate it. Uh, thanks for being a soldier in the Deep Forgiveness Army. You can go to the website at www.deepforgiveness, that's D-E-E-P-F-O-R-G-I-V-E-N-E-S-S.com. So it's www.deepforgiveness.com. You can email us at um, info, I-N-F-O, at deepforgiveness.com, or you can reach us directly in our office uh, at 443-739-3260. And of course, when you go to the website, there's a beautiful button that says donate there. If you want to be a part of this life-changing, life-altering experience and helping other folks across the country to be able to heal, move towards reconciliation and forgiveness, please feel free to um, give your tax-exempt um, dollars to our organization. We need volunteers as well to help us in this endeavor. We also have T-shirts, uh, Deep Forgiveness T-shirts that are all over the world. We've got soldiers in the Deep Forgiveness Army all over the world, and they wear these beautiful purple and gold Deep Forgiveness shirts. But, yeah, reach us um, by, by uh, our website. All of our information is there, www.deepforgiveness.com. This will bring us to the conclusion of the Practitioner's Corner. Please feel free to check us out on iTunes. And our goal and aim, of course, is to ensure that you are empowered and able to move forward and make a difference. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you, John.